Hello, Star Wars fans. We're back. Episode two of the Starlight Podcast. It's going to be a little quicker one today. We decided we're going to go two in one week. This episode of The Mandalorian was absolutely fantastic. And I'm back with my man, Jonathan Bates. And we are going to be talking about that episode. Uh, chapter 23 now, right? Yes, sir. 23. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get let's get right into it. Okay. First off, first impressions of that episode, man. Uh, the Mandalorian episode. What did you think, dude? There's just so much of this episode that I, I want to talk about. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I liked a lot of the uh, how the plot points are starting to come together. The first thing I want to talk with you about is the Shadow Council of the Empire and the return of Thrawn, which is obviously hinted at in Ahsoka, but uh, kind of leads to like. Uh, the bigger story that we're going to see in the Filoni verse. So I, I thought the Shadow Council was really cool. Um, a lot of the characters on that ca- council are from either Legends or existing content in Star Wars. That's canon. Uh, as example, one of them was uh, Hux. If you remember, if anybody remembers him, obviously from the sequel trilogy, his dad was part of the Shadow Council. Uh, was Commandant Hux. Also the. Um, I think it was uh, what was his name, Connor? Um, the the main captain guy that talked about Thrawn's return in the in Legends. That's Thrawn's right hand man. Uh, it started with a P. His name, Pelion. Uh, Pelion. Pelion. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's from Legends and the Thrawn books. So that was sick to see him. Yeah, and I I found it really interesting that um, you know that. It's it's like the the empire right now is like a rebellion. Like they have all these like separate cells, but they're really like connected, and they kind of have their own rebellion against the new republic. Yeah, I haven't. I thought that was pretty cool. Actually, haven't thought of it like that before. That's actually a really good point because we see all of these guys are in hiding, not hiding, but they're all. They, they don't want to like show their. They, the first right. thing they brought up was not showing their real strength. They they don't want to show the new republic how strong they really are. They're waiting for the right opportunity. And it sounds like that right opportunity is going to be when Ron returns, another member of the Shadow Council, referenced that people support the Empire everywhere. They need somebody to rally behind. It sounded like Ron was that person. He's referred to as the heir of the Empire. Basically, if something happened to Palpatine, which somehow Palpatine returned, <laughs> but we're not there yet. But um, it sounds like um, when Ron returns, it'll definitely shake up the uh the current star wars universe yeah let's interesting let's first talk about um alaya kane when the intro to that scene when she is walking through like the depths of coruscant um, and she goes to a probe droid which i thought wasn't a little a little interesting that that there was just a probe droid chilling around the depths of yeah like how does nobody just see that i mean (laughs) i guess that goes to show just I mean, it was like the underground, of course. It's the underworld, shows, yeah. like All the crime that just goes on there. And it also kind of just shows the New Republic is just not very strong, are they? Like, they don't even know that these things are happening. There's holes in the system. And one thing I do want to point out is Giancarlo Esposito killed it this episode. And he always kills it when he's Moff Gideon. But I feel like this episode, he had a little bit extra flair. Yeah, I got Gus vibes from him, dude. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love him just being a villain and, and stuff. Like he plays it perfectly. He, he was so good. I loved his like 
and like not animosity, but like his tone towards Bo-Katan, I thought was hilarious. He's extra. He's so extra. Yeah, and I, I love I, it. I, I thought he did a great job um, in this episode. But yeah, back to that opening scene. We finally saw like what uh, her mission was in the New Republic. Actually, we really kind of don't know what her mission is still, but I guess she's just an informant for yeah. Moff Gideon, kind of like a you know a mole. Like uh, essentially, it's Space Hydra is how I have. Uh, analyzed if anybody's familiar with marvel uh you know about hydra and how they infiltrated shield mm-hmm. this is essentially what this is in the new republic and i also i found it very interesting about dr pershing because um she like was her name again by the way i think her name is alia kane alia kane yes thank you alia kane she like tortured um dr pershing, pershing maybe to like i don't know make him hate the new republic maybe you know turn on them in that sense, but I'm not sure if that was like her mission to do that because, you know, Gideon was talking with the shadow council about him being lost in the Republic. And also it was revealed that that's not even Gideon's like mission was cloning. It was really Hux's, right. Hux's. So that was really interesting. Uh, so, you know, hear that angle within the shadow council. I just thought it was so cool to like, see like, the Empire, we always saw them as like, oh, it's just Moff Gideon, but you have all these other like warlords that are all connected. Yeah, and the cool thing cool. for me, I so I have read the Aftermath trilogy and Phasma, those books. Brendel Hux, Hux, um, like Armitage Hux's father from the sequels, um, he is a big part in those books, especially the Phasma book. He's the one who actually discovered Phasma. His role in the, in these books basically is to this is a, honestly a little bit later on i i think i know where you're going with this, specifically, yeah. specifically for the phasma book his role is to basically train all like get the people in place to train the new troops of the first order and basically brainwash them yeah the so, child soldiers finn yeah essentially yeah finn yeah exactly yeah. so it, it's i'm curious to see how he goes with the cloning with project necromancer which is what they called it um yeah which necromancy is just like it basically means revival so yeah somehow palpatine returned yep Pretty much. and we found out that like you said gideon's kind of doing his own thing with grogu and holding pershing on navarro to basically do his bidding and figure out how i think i think gideon was just trying to figure out how he could gain an upper hand against everybody else yeah, it sounds like he's stuff. trying to gain power um, and not and Thrawn not be the leader of the Empire. Maybe that's what he wants to, you know, do now. So trying to figure out Gideon's angle, which I think we might might reveal itself in this final episode. Which, by the way, though, real quick, I, I know I got to jump to this. His uh, his Mandalorian armor, his yeah. helmet. I got uh, Gar Saxon vibes from the Clone Wars, but those kind of horns coming out, mm-hmm. like the Darth Maul style. Yeah. absolutely sick i hope there's a helmet of that somewhere at some point or a, a figure i'll be buying that immediately we're gonna need something from that because that was sick. that was tough that was tough all right so let's so shadow council really cool next yeah. thing we kind of want to talk about one thing i want to mention is that grogu inside of ig 12 oh, now so much that happened yeah so that funny was awesome. it was yeah. i was cackling i was cackling watching that i was with my dad and mom and we were watching that together and i started dying and we all started laughing every time he's just like 
Yes. No. Yes. 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 Well, it's, yeah, it's the first time Grogu's able to like communicate with right. people. And it kind of shows his youth of like spamming the buttons. Yeah. Um, but yeah. dude, it made me just smile because in season one, you know, IG 11 was they reprogrammed to be the tear cake. Wow. Caretaker of Grogu. And he's kind of still doing that in a way. You know, Grogu's controlling him and he was holding him. Grogu's control center is the same way he was held by IG-11 in yeah. season one, like then that, that cradle there. Yeah. And also now um, Grogu is able to kind of move on his own and, and, you know, be more like a Mandalorian in the sense of, yeah, he's yeah. a little more independent now and can, yeah. and, and I think that was, that was cool how they used IG-11. Um, I thought they were going to build him. I originally thought they were going to build, like rebuild him and bring him back, but this is, honestly a little bit better i feel like it's better yeah Yeah, exactly um so basically what what happens here we we have grogu and the mandalorians meet up we see bo katan come in with that huge light cruiser with the mythosaur symbol underneath which is absolutely dope um i first got scared that the empire just was going to take over navarro again but um it was cool to see their whole fleet there um and then i mean we can talk a little bit about the the mandalorians interacting with each other um both the children of the watch and the other mandalorians i I don't know if they actually have a faction name yet but bogatan's watch former death watch i guess or you could just say yeah i guess death watch is what they are yeah so Uh, that was cool to see them interact obviously there's some animosity there what what were your thoughts on that I wanted to see a little more beef. I was a little disappointed there wasn't more animosity, I think, in the beginning. Like, yeah, they kind of had that standoff, but I-, I wanted a little more fiery debate. I did really like the scene between Axel Wolves and Paz Vizsla, where they're playing like space checkers or space chess. And they're like, oh, I can do this. Well, it's kind of like Chinese checkers, like that side kind of thing. Like some people have different rules than others. Yeah. It kind of showed there. I did like that. It showed like the difference between the two. And it did show some animosity. But when they like first met and they were around that like campfire and stuff and Bo-Katan was hitching, you know, them to go back to Mandalore, there wasn't really any dialogue or, or you know, I guess discuss between the two groups. Right. Which I, I, I wish they would have highlighted that a little more uh, in yeah. my opinion, but I did like the, the space checker scene. Um, that was a, uh, I think that was a good way to, to show it uh, finally, but I wish they showed it sooner in the episode of like the difference in animosity that the two groups possess. Yeah. And I think it was really cool to see Grogu step in during that fight where he uses some of his Jedi teachings that he, he learned from the temple and from Luke. Luke. And I mean, Mando even says it, Grogu gets in between the two fighting and they both realize it's like, it's pointless. It's not worth this tension. And it's not going to do anybody any good to fight. And um, Bogotan was like, you taught your apprentice well. And he's like, that wasn't me, bro. That wasn't me. That was Luke Skywalker right there. So Luke. I, I appreciated Grogu showing his Jedi teachings there. And I think it just hints towards him eventually becoming a Mandalorian Jedi, which is what I think will ultimately happen with him. The next wielder of the dark saber. Yeah. Grogu. That would be crazy. That yeah, would be I crazy. Think it would be. Dude, imagine him and like Mandalorian. Oh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Anyway, yeah. 
one other thing I want to talk about though, between kind of like what we just talked about, like the animosity between, you know, the two groups of Mandalorians, I found it really cool. I like those like Mandalorians that were always on the planet, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like scavenging. And I thought it was like a good analogy um, of how, you know, the Mandalorians are, have been spread like across the galaxy, kind of like, kind of like pirates in that sense. Like they yeah. were on the planet and they've been there that whole time. And, you know, they were like lost in the sense. And they, also they didn't even know like what really happened with Bo-Katan. We finally got to learn like what happened with Bo-Katan and how she lost the Darksaber. And I was surprised there wasn't more uh, dialogue or discuss from the other Mandalorians about her giving up the Darksaber to Gideon because right. that's a no-no in Mandalorian culture. Like Big you don't no-no. surrender. Yeah. What'd you think about that? I was really surprised to hear because in the back of my mind i hadn't really been thinking about moff gideon for this whole season just because he wasn't there and then when we we got that lore drop where she said yeah i sacrificed basically her honor to save her people and give up the dark saber i thought that was first it was really interesting to see what went through her head and I agree with Bogdan. I think she made the right decision ultimately because if she didn't, she would have gotten killed and every Mandalorian would have gotten killed, even though in the, in the end it backfired um, yeah, killed just, anyway. just with that, with that yeah. fact. But I think the fact that she was willing to sacrifice basically everything to, to help save her people in their eyes will trump the fact that she was, in honor like she she what didn't she didn't act with honor the way that the way the way that the mandalorian culture is but i think as a person you see that she sacrificed and cares about mandalore and basically both um din Djarin says that to her when they're on that ship and- that was a good scene i like i like din there um which uh he started to become now like not the main character of the mandalorian and that was talked about by the producers of the show during star wars celebration and that upset a lot of people mm-hmm. what do you think about din kind of you know the producers of the show hinted at, at celebrations like oh the mandalorian you know it can like shift between different mandalorians and that's what we're kind of seeing this season what do you think about uh you know them saying that and and kind of seeing that this season i don't mind i don't mind it i, yeah, I don't understand either. it because i mean we've seen with these shows, the Filoni verse, that Boba Fett took a backseat in his show to Din, and now we're seeing Din kind of take a backseat to Bo-Katan. And I think at this point, Bo-Katan's story is more important and more pressing than um, than Din's, just because of the history that she has with her family, with her planet, with Clone Wars. Like we know, she has so much history there that it would kind of make less sense for all of a sudden din to just be like no i'm the leader of mandalore like it makes more sense and it's more of a smoother story to the fact that you know bo katan is in that role of leadership and i think she deserves it for everything that she's gone through yeah i i agree in, in that sense like you know she was the sister of the duchess of mandalore um you know, she took over Mandalore at the end of the Clone Wars. She led the fight against the Empire. Like, it makes sense that she would reassume that leadership. What I think a lot of people are upset about is obviously they became really, you know, attached to, to Din Djarin. 
And it was really hinted at season two. I mean, he won the Darksaber. We're thinking like, oh, he's mm-hmm. going to be the next ruler. And now he's starting to kind of take a back seat a bit. Um, so I think that's where people are upset. I don't mind it either. I really like Bo-Katan as a character. And I like that they are exploring on her character more. I'm just interested to see what they end up doing with the story, especially how they're going to continue to handle Din. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute, but at the end of the episode, we know what happens to him. He kind of gets a little, uh, he gets captured. in trouble. I don't know whether just yeah. kill the guy, but <laughs> we'll talk about it in a minute. But yeah, I, I don't mind it either. I really like Bo-Katan. Um, I think people are just obviously attached to Din Djarin and I mean, it, it was kind of the same criticism in, in Book of Boba. I mean, I still found that episode of the, of uh, Book of Mando that was, it was kind of odd that it was in that show, but it kind of just makes sense with the, with the theme of, you know, how Filoni has run his shows. And now there's going to be a movie that kind of combines these storylines together. And I think it's all going to make sense in the long run. So like I've been saying, and you just said, I think, um, I think it's fine that uh, Bo-Katan is starting to to take lead. And I mean, she saw the Mythosaur. I'm excited to see where maybe that could lead this season. There's got to be something with that. uh, I'm sure in this final episode, but we can theorize that in a little bit. So after yeah. that uh, part, um, basically like that, you could also maybe say like a mythosaur-like creature, you know, attacks their skiff and they're forced underground. And as you know, Mandalorians are very, um, you know, inclined to tame beasts. Like we saw in season two, like we saw this season, like we've seen Boba Fett reference before that he's ridden beasts uh, from, um, you know, that old Star Wars show. So mm-hmm. yeah, after that, you know, they go to the Great Forge, they're looking for the Great Forge, and oh no, stormtroopers show up. <laughs> Which by the way, them in the Baskar I thought was really cool. But also they're starting to look like early first order. What did yeah. you think about that whole that whole scene where uh you know they get to the forge and they get ambushed? Like what what was going through your head there? Something is up with the fact that nobody knew that there were that the empire was there yeah i found that very specifically those guys on the the planet that were just riding around for yep. years had no clue and they're like oh we know the specifically those guys right there oh yeah, yeah we can take you to the forge like we how do you not know that the empire is there that's suspect they might be the very spies sus. they might be the spies they not might, only that yeah, yeah not only them as the spies yeah because that title is oh you're thinking the um the lady in the new republic is a spy but there's also been a theory going around the armorer dude yep. is a spy all along and you know i'm not a big fan of when things are like predictable and called out but i would be it would be kind of cool if after all this time that she is the spy because think about it she's like the leader of this covert of mandalorians she's been leading them down this path she led bo katan on this path was this a trap that she set up for Bo-Katan to assemble all the Mandalorians for them to get captured by Moff Gideon? She has the same horns on her helmet as Gideon. I think it would be a very cool twist. Did you hear about this theory? What do you, what do you think about this? Yeah, I actually, last night after the episode, I made a video on the fact that I, she, something is up with her. Maybe I'm just, maybe we're just all reading she go back to the ship? It. She went back she, to the ship, didn't Yeah, you? so the first thing, she went back to the ship. Um, and they kept showing little camera shots of like there were just little tiny shots in in this episode where they would just pan to her for a second and it's a little bit suspect the fact that she 
first of all was like there's no more death watch in that one episode or the one the one um line yeah, in this episode skiff, aren't they? yeah when they're on the skiff and she's like are you part of death watch she's like there's no more death watch like the way that she acts is just we don't know anything about her we don't know her motivations it seems like it could go either way for me i like the theories i think i I think I like the idea that the people who they were, they just found on the planet were the spies. Cause I don't know what would be in it for her. Maybe she's just loyal to the empire. Is that, is that what the idea is that she's loyal? Maybe, maybe that's, that's what it is. But then again, that doesn't make sense because, you know, they were wiped out of Navarro and she was a part of that, you know, in season one, everything, yeah, everybody except for her though. Well, she Every, survived. Everyone except for her was wiped out. Well, Paz as well, but yeah. Right, Paz, yeah. yeah. That's an interesting theory because another thing is, I don't know if you've heard this rumor as well. People think that she's uh, that Clone Wars character. Right. Uh, what was her name? Root Cast, I believe was Something her name. Something like that. I, yeah. I don't know. if I think that's a bit of a reach to... I don't exactly know what that would mean for the show if that is her. Like For, for, for me, it wouldn't be that huge, a huge reveal to be like, oh, it's that girl from the Clone Wars. Like, to me, I don't think that really changes much about her character. But it would be kind of wild if she was the spy all along. But right. I, I don't know. It might be, It's to me, in my mind, it's still a little bit of a reach, but there's little signs of that that you're thinking like, oh, what if? Yeah. And this final episode, I think, is going to reveal a lot, and I, I'm very excited to, yeah. to see what they do. One of I the things, oh, one of the, sorry, one of the things that I want to talk about is these, like, Mandalorian stormtroopers, like these people that are wearing the Beskar armor. One thing that Moff Gideon says when he's going on his huge dialogue after he traps Din is like every every society has use. He said the clones have the cloners have uses, the Jedi have uses, and even the Mandalorians. And he says, I used all of them. I'm going to use all of them to create like the the biggest army, like the best army in the world, basically, is what he says. So I'm curious, who the hell are in those suits? Yeah, clones, maybe. That like, was did he make better. clones to not not like not like Boba Fett clones, not like Django Fett clones, but like, did he make his own clones to just put in there? We saw clones in the facility, which I'm assuming is got to be the same facility that was on Mandalore. Um, we saw clones there. They did look like early Snokes, though. So yeah. again, maybe there's clones in the suits. Maybe they're Mandalorians that are in the suits that have sworn allegiance to the Empire. Mm-hmm. Also, a theory that I thought of: What if Moff Gideon was born on Mandalore? He's really obsessed with Mandalore. That's what I'm saying. Like, what if he's like been from Mandalore this whole time? He he does have this obsession. Obviously, he has like after his whole monologue, you get the vibe that he has a deeper connection to the planet. Yeah. So, I'm very interested to see. I don't know if it'll ever be revealed, but because he says that he's like Mandalore will live. Yeah, through me. him. Yeah, through me. Yeah. Like he, for some reason, he's obsessed with Mandalore. I don't know if the Mandalorians did him wrong, or if he was on Mandalore. If he was, what if he was like a foundling that like was abandoned or something. Yeah, or like that was lost not like because they wouldn't abandon a foundling but like you know what i mean like they something would be cr- that would be a crazy way to like make him a little more sympathetic as a villain 
to like say that he was like part of a Mandalorian. Yeah, I I, I want to learn more about Gideon. I want to learn more about his motivations because I mean, and season one and two is all about Grogu, all about Grogu, and now it's starting to seem this season is ain't a, it's not about Grogu anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious to see why they captured Din. I mean, we'll circle back to the episode. You know, they're fighting in this great forge. Uh, they realize they're wearing Beskar. Mandalorians falling for the easiest trap of all time. They just follow the Imperials right to the main base. <laughs> um, right to the main base. And, you know, they, they get separated. You know, Din gets captured. And like we, we were just talking about, you know, Gideon's speech was awesome. And, you know, his armor is sick. And he said that is the, the third version of the Dark Trooper. Yep. And he was like, you could, see, you could see his ego too. He's like, the best part about this is I'm in it. Yeah. Like, Damn, bro. Ben's ego is huge. He said, Bogatan, we have to stop meeting like this. It's so yeah, nice to see you again. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, but there's one scene we got to talk about here. Um, at some point, let's just talk, jump right into let's it. Let's do it. Our man, Paz Vizsla. R.I.P. John Favreau. So we were talking before the podcast. And I mentioned to Connor, what if he's not dead? And he was very like, huh? He's got to be dead. So for those who have seen the episode, um, the Bo-Katan, uh, after Din is captured, uh, Moff Gideon asks her the Darksaber back. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to make the same mistake before and give it to you. Uh, she then cuts a hole in the backside of the door. The Mandalorians escape. Uh, Gideon flies away and orders the... Mandal or the stormtroopers in Beskar to kill the Mandalorians. So Paz Vizsla plays down cover fire and has one of the best final stands I've seen in Star Wars. It gave me Commander Thorn vibes yep. from the Clone Wars with the yep. giant Gatling gun. He's just mowing people down, his gun overheats it and even throw it, yeah. Throw it at uh some of the uh the troopers. And then, you know, he's fighting him, punching him hand by hand in combat. Like, what did you think of that, man? Wasn't wasn't that so cool? Yeah, it was really sad to see because we knew he wasn't going to be able to make that out alive after those Praetorian guards showed up. Like, it was a total, like, it was a boss move to to go out the way that he did. And his his he'll be he'll be sung in the songs of his of his ancestors. He'll be accepted at the warrior's death. Um, Yeah. It was it was really cool, but when those Praetorian guards came out, I was like, "Let's go!" I was so hyped to see those Praetorian guards. Yeah, because they were referenced. Yeah, uh, by Gideon, he requested them yep. from the Shadow Council. And dude, I know you love Eight. A lot of people do not like that movie, but mm-hmm. objectively, the coolest part of that film was the Praetorian guard fight with Ray and Kylo, and to see them again. To me, they looked a, a tad different. It looked like they were still transitioning from Royal Guard to Praetorian yep. Guard. Yep. Dude, they just came out and just, I mean, it was sad that he died. Or maybe he's still alive. He's, <laughs> he's dead. Probably, he's probably dead. I'm dead, looking right? at a picture of Paz Vizsla right now on my screen getting stabbed to the chest. Uh, He's alive. He's alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he, his body position when he died is the same as Queels from season one. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, they made quick work of Paz and... They made it look easy. It just showed how like strong and powerful they were. But uh, he deserves, like you said, he deserves to be sung in the tales of Mandalore. But I think there was a reason that they showed his son. Vega's son might play a bigger role down the line because there was a whole episode revolved around saving his son. Yeah. So the Vizsla name lives on. The Vizsla name definitely lives on. And he lived up to his ancestor's name. 
Like that was Definitely. really cool. Um, and I got really sad when I saw that because we, I mean, we know he's a father. He had uh, a, a lot of character development, um, especially when uh, in a couple episodes back when he's on, when they're like debating whether or not to, um, they're like debating whether to go to Navarro. And he's like, he's like, we're Mandalorian. Blah, blah, blah. That's why we should go because we're Mandalorian. And he became yeah, like, he yeah. shot, like he shot up my character ranks after that. And the fact that he went out like that. He's always been sick. He's this huge yeah. buff guy with a giant Gatling gun. Yep. Like what's there not to love about that? No, there's he's nothing not to love. Exactly. Yeah. He's absolutely sick. And also the fact that he was voiced by John Favreau, like mm-hmm. he was awesome as pre Vizsla in the uh in the clone wars and it was great to hear his voice again yeah, yeah. rip rip has man that rip was has and that's where we end the episode yeah, like that, that's that that's how it ends the mandalorians escape they have to regroup but one important thing to note during that is uh, actual i believe it was actual wolf yep. right he escaped um to go warn the fleet that the empire is here because getting orders the bombers and the interceptors to go attack the fleet. The, the thing, the problem that they noted was that there's no communication below the storm clouds. So mm-hmm. right now they're completely exposed and vulnerable. So I'm curious to see in the next episode um, how are they going to be able to warn them in time. So to wrap up this episode here, because um, we've been talking for a little bit and it's been fun. I, lo- I love this episode so much, but I want to theorize with you. What do you think we're going to see in the finale, man? One About <sighs> six days away. Like, I'm going to be you, a- I'm going to be honest. I don't know if we're going to have like a happy conclusion to this season. I think it might be Dennis still captured. Yeah. Are we getting a season? We're getting a season four, right? I'm assuming we are. I'm going to assume that we're going to get a season four. I, I would, I would really enjoy it if they kind of did a slow burn to this episode and leave us hanging for a season four, because it would be, it would seem like too quick of a transition from like he gets captured and like he makes like Paz makes a sacrifice. Den's captured. They're at rock bottom. I would, I wouldn't mind seeing them like not have a resolution right now and wait down the line to attack everything. I see what your point. It makes me think back to see between like the end of season one to season two. Like, yeah, they, one at the end mm. of season one, but Gideon was still alive with the dark saber. So there was definitely intrigue going into season two and those seasons are like linked together. So my theory, I, I, I agree to it. There, there's going to, there's going to be some kind of cliffhanger in this episode, whether that's answered in a season four or this Filoni verse movie right. or Ahsoka, because yep. we're getting Sabine in Ahsoka. I'm curious. Maybe there's some Mandalorian connection there. Um, yeah. I I'm curious because they have a lot to wrap up. In, they do. And I feel like there's episode. not enough time to wrap it up in, in one episode, even if it is a little longer than the like 50 minutes that we've been getting. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to cover. So yeah. I'm curious to, uh, because I mean, because Grogu's okay. story is kind of at a standstill right now. You don't really have that much with him. Like I'm curious yeah. to see if they do anything with him, but we, we have that mythosaur plot line, obviously Din's captured. Um, we have empire, yeah. yep and we have that like the new republic empire kind of thing with Eli Kane. like there's a lot to wrap up and i i think it would be best for them to just like 
let it slowly burn until season four and then have a bigger conclusion to everything. And but we'll season see. Season four would be crazy, man. If they let this go, then season four is where everything is going to go down. Yeah. It'll be yeah. exciting. And I, oh. I'm excited. I'm a little scared to see what's going to happen just because I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little terrible. worried. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little worried because um, obviously we know, you know, the first order from episode seven, and we know that they like, you know, become powerful. We don't see any Mandalorians in the sequel. Right. So that makes me concerned, man. That would be a little what's bit concerning. Yeah. Yeah. But I think overall, this episode was by far the best of the season. It's up there Definitely. with the best of the entire show. And I'm curious to see how they're going to follow it up. It was pretty good. Like I said, I had a little criticism for how they handled some of the, you know, animosity between the Mandalorians. Mm -hmm. And I was a little confused on some of those parts. But, dude, the action was great. The story's leaving you on a cliffhanger. I love them returning to Mandalore. There was a, and the whole Empire, like, Shadow Council thing, dude, that just gets me fired up. Because I know, Connor, you're a big fan of the books and some of the Legends lore as well and, and seeing some of those characters and, and some of that reference was sick. And, dude, I can't wait for next Wednesday. We're going to have to uh, definitely have to be back, everybody, on uh, Thursday or Wednesday next week after the uh, season has ended to uh, review and unpack what we've just witnessed because I'm sure it's going to be some kind of cliffhanger. Yeah. Something wild's going to happen here. Absolutely. Something's going to happen. We're going to have to talk about it. Yeah. Um, we're looking to do this podcast here weekly um, as long as we have stuff to talk about. And I mean, hopefully we'll get some guests on here soon too. be able to, you know, talk with other people as well and pick their brains. Um, I know a lot of uh, the mutuals on TikTok are, are interested in, in coming on, but we're looking to do this every episode of a TV show. I think we'll be able to sit down and talk about it here for for uh for about a half hour plus and um i'm i'm geared up i'm I'm ready to go for friday or not for friday for wednesday i wish it was i miss mando fridays but yeah, same man <laughs> but we're back and we're excited for the season finale of mando we appreciate everybody for tuning in to our first podcast and uh if you've listened this far in our second podcast we appreciate the support we love you bates any last words no, not really, other than thank you for watching. Um, I'm glad you've listened this far to me and Connor talk about Star Wars, and we will see you all later. Have a good one. May the Force be with you.